0: This is Felice Thomas, your host of The Cell. I would like to thank you for listening to The Cell and for listening to Community Radio wgrn LP 91.9 FM. Our last conversation, Dr. Hema Runjarajan, which was a bone marrow transplant, which was some really good information. We're now going to discuss gene therapy. Enjoy.
1: So I think most of our viewers would somehow come across this in the news. And today's podcast is kind of timely because uh, one of the gene therapies for sickle cell disease just got approved in uh, UK today. Uh, it's called Casgevy, So it's it's a big win for the community at large, both the medical community and the sickle cell community, because uh, I think these are milestones uh, that are being achieved uh, at a rapid phase, I should say. So what is gene therapy and how does it differ from transplant? So gene therapy is fascinating, right? Uh, when I talked about bone marrow transplant, I talked about getting mother cells or factory workers from somebody else. At this time, we're going to talk about getting the mother cells from Mark himself, you know, our patient, our young boy with sickle cell disease. So how can you do that? So this time, We go back to your mother cells, the patient's own mother cells, because we know these mother cells are producing the defective trucks. And why are they producing the defective trucks? That is because they contain the message. Now, to recollect, all of us have something called DNA inside each and every cell of our body, and the DNA contains the code that just tells you what different parts of your body should look like, behave, and function. For example, the DNA in my body will say, hey, Hema, your hair should be black, should be brown, Uh, you're going to be short at five feet (laughs) because that's just you, because that's that's the code that I have in your genes, right? So the genes in our body, which are inside the DNA, are just containing codes that tell you what each and every part of our body should do and behave and function. Along the same lines, in a patient with sickle cell disease, Their factory workers contain the DNA that codes for red cells that carry the sickle gene or tells them, hey, your red cells are going to be defective. So when we do gene therapy, what we essentially do is we take your factory workers, we change them. We change the genetic code. We change the code or the message that is inside your cell and give you new messages that are permanently fixed inside those cells. And now these new modified, I call them the armed, you know, the new modified factory workers are given back to you. And now these new factory workers will start producing the new trucks, which do not sickle. It's a complex way of thinking, but essentially, simplistically, take your own factory workers, change the code inside them, and make them a new rejuvenated factory worker which does not produce sickle red cells but produces normal non-sickle red cells or trucks. That is gene therapy. There are many ways to do gene therapy and I think even as medical teams, our options are getting more and more which I think is a great thing for the sickle cell community because I think we need to have choices. We need to have more and more options Not just, you know, we used to always have only hydroxyurea and transplants, but now it's a nice thing to say we're going to be spoiled for choices. We're going to have more than one option. So how is gene therapy done? Now gene therapy, this time, this is a procedure for the patient, right? So we have to get the factory workers from you, the patient, say Mark. So if Mark decides, okay, I want to get gene therapy, what does he have to do? Obviously, he meets with the medical team and says, okay, I have severe disease. You know, I'm having a lot of issues. Transfusions are not working for me. Hydroxyurea is not working for me. I've had it enough. My quality of life is affected. I want to seek what we call a cure or a transformative therapy. We sit down. We talk. Then we said, okay, we will proceed. When we say we will proceed, this time it's months of preparation before we do the actual gene therapy. Right now, the way we do gene therapy is we say, okay, Mark, we're gonna get the mother cells from you. Say, Mark gets admitted on Monday. On Monday night, I will give him a small injection, just like an insulin injection, it's like just a small amount into his you know, upper arm. And I said, okay, now we're gonna push all the factory workers from your factory into your bloodstream. Next day morning, on Tuesday morning, I connect Mark to a machine I suck all those white cells that are floating in his bloodstream, which are just mother cells, and collect it in a bag. I do this on Tuesday, I do this on Wednesday, I do this on Thursday. Then I find out how many factory workers have I collected. If I have collected enough, it's done. I send it for manufacturing. But if I don't have enough factory workers, I do this again a month later, maybe another month later. So anywhere from one to four times, one to four procedures, so you could spread it over four months, we have to collect enough mother cells. So you can see here, this time, the patient is going through a procedure. Now, it sounds painful, but it is done. We would do an exchange, what we call an exchange transfusion, the day before to make sure you're okay. You know, you will be be admitted in the hospital most likely for this time for almost three to four days to get those mother cells from you. After we collect enough mother cells, there are different options available right now. Most of it had been available only on research or clinical trials, but I think come December, we are expecting some of this to be available commercially, not just being on a research trial, right? I'm gonna explain to you two ways that the message is changed in the mother cell. The first way is what is called the postman method. So in this method, what we do is you have the mother cell from the patient with the sickle cell disease collected and taken to the lab. What we do is we expose the mother cell to a postman, which is actually a virus. The postman carries a new message, a message to produce a new type of truck. Think about it that way. The postman, when he encounters the sickle, Factory workers, they say the postman will say, "Hey, I've got a new message for you. Can you take it inside your house?" So the factory workers say, "Okay, I'm going to take it." And these new fa- this new message inserts itself inside the new, um, you know, inside the factory worker. And then what will happen is this new fac- the factory worker becomes modified and starts producing new type of red cells which do not sickle. So this is called the postman or the insertion method that, you know, which was first done for patients with sickle cell disease. Approximately 40 to 45 patients have received this form of treatment. And all, what I can tell you is the data is remarkable. Uh, most of them, almost 99% of them are sickle free. They don't have any more crisis. So this is the postman method. Now, remember, once we get the mother cells from you and the time it takes to actually change the message or the code in the factory, because it takes three months. So think about it. You have one to four months of just getting the mother cells from you, and then you have three months wait time to wait for this production to take place. The second way of doing gene therapy, which is pretty popular, at least in clinical trials, and we expect hopefully in December to have both these methods receive FDA approval. The second method is to increase baby red cell truck production. It's, um, the way I tell uh, families is, if you think about it, when we are all inside our mother's tummy, we don't produce sickle red cells or normal adult red trucks. We produce baby trucks. These baby trucks don't sickle. And when we are born, when we come outside our mother's tummy, around six months, the baby truck production completely stops, and we we start making adult trucks or sickle trucks. That's why patients with sickle cell disease become symptomatic or have their first symptoms around six to nine months of age, because that's when the baby truck production completely stops. Now, the, con- the production of the baby trucks is controlled by a switch, a simple switch inside your genetic code. Now, when you're inside the mom's tummy, the switch is switched off. So you make a lot of baby trucks. But when you come outside mom's tummy, the switch is switched on. Therefore, you stop producing it. Somehow, we know how to use a genetic scissors and cut the switch permanently so the first one was the insertion method this one is a delete method We just take a scissors and cut the switch permanently so if we do that in your factory workers then now your modified factory workers will produce mostly baby trucks and you will not sickle or have sickle cell crisis and that is the treatment that has been approved in the uk today And we are expecting in December, on December 8th, to hopefully be approved by FDA. So we're very excited because on this method, also 35 patients approximately have been treated, all of them sickle-free. That's fantastic. Now, I didn't complete the other part of the journey. I told you it takes three months to make these modifications to your factory workers. So you have, you know, one, two, Three months of preparation where we get those mother cells from you. Then we have to wait for three months. Then what happens? Okay, it's produced, right? It comes in a bag, and this is the most anticlimactic portion. It comes in a small bag, which is maybe about 50 mils. That's it, 50 to 100 mils. And, you know, if patients are like, oh, I did all of this for this, I'm like, yeah, I did <laughs> all of this for this, right? And it's a simple right. transfusion. But here's the catch point. As of now, we still have to use chemotherapy. And this is where chemotherapy Ah. never evolves, right? Because you need to use chemotherapy to get rid of your old factory workers so that the new modified rejuvenated factory workers can come and start working. There's no immune system issue here because it's your your own cells, so you don't really have to get rid of your immune system. But you do have to create space in the factory for the new factory workers. And hence, again, what happens to the triangle I talked to you about, right? There is no no GVHD here. There's no reverse immune fight because you're getting your own mother cells back. So why would your immune system fight against you? So that's the beauty, right? You Mm -hmm. don't have GVHD, which is also a problem, the transplant. So that's important. As of now, what about deaths or not surviving? Now, there have been uh, one or two deaths in each of these methods. And the first method, that is the insertion method. Now, you know, this is a new science. We are messing with the DNA. So there's always a possibility that we make changes in parts of the DNA that are not supposed to be messed with parts that control cancer production or something important in the body, right? Correct. So in the first method, the postman or the insertion method, there have been two patients who developed blood cancer. And actually the trial kind of, uh, I think the company stopped everything for a few months. They're like, okay, we have two patients with cancer. What went wrong? Did we mess up of the gene that control cancer production? Right, because we all have breaks in our body that prevent cancer from happening in the first place, and those are controlled by genes. And if you mess with them, you can get cancer. Right? Okay. Uh, Right. Having said that, a lot of testing was done, and it was proven that no, this was not because uh, you know there was insertion in places where it should not have occurred. But having said that, one thing we learned we are learning is that sickle cell patients, some of them already had some issues with their factory which would have predisposed them to getting cancer later in life. And what we did as medical communities, we gave them chemotherapy and made it faster, made the onset faster. Now that's the thinking, right? Because Mm -hmm. when we do chemotherapy, we can mess up things big time. So those two patients who got blood cancer, one of them unfortunately passed away because of the cancer, they are older. And, you know, this is a debate. Is it because they were older? And as you're old, get older. All of us have a tendency to get cancer as you get older. The risk increases. Is it because they were just older, right? Or is it because they already had changes in their factory to suggest that they would have gotten cancer anyway, and we just accelerated it. So these are, you know, obviously this is another issue that's cropping up. Hopefully, right now, we have had nobody else since 2018, which is good news because we are improving on how we do it, so that's good news. In the baby bag or the baby truck production, nobody has had cancer to date. But the follow up for gene therapy is only on an average only three years. Now, if you think about transplant, we have been doing it for three decades, plus so we mm-hmm. know most of the outcomes. but gene therapy, the longest surviving patient is only seven to eight years out, so we have to give it time to know what you know badness could happen and you know and this is where I applaud all the sickle cell disease patients who are going on clinical trials because altruistically they're contributing to science and data and telling their colleagues, their sickle cell warriors, hey, I'm going through this, I'm contributing my data so that my data could benefit all of you in the coming years. And this is why it's so important if you have a clinical trial, consider be part of a clinical trial because some of the things that you do may not benefit you but will benefit the society at large, especially the sickle cell community. And the FDA requires anybody who has gene therapy to be followed up eventually every year up to 15 years just to make sure we're not missing anything that has happened that should not have happened, right? So, you know, what I'm trying to say is we don't really get rid of chemotherapy right now. We may in the coming years, but as of now, if this day and age, if I were to offer gene therapy for someone, I would still use chemotherapy unfortunately there comes the fertility again and again i do not take patients to transplant or gene therapy unless they have had serious discussions about fertility sperm cryopreservation uh you know egg retrieval or whatever is applicable in their case so that's a must uh having said that uh you know I, i would encourage my viewers I listened to a very excellent um, talk over the weekend by what is called the Cooley Study by the National Institution or Institute of Health. I'm happy to share the, you know, Felice, if somebody wants, I can share the URL. You know, you had all these adults who were psychologists and bone marrow transplant nurses and, you know, IT professionals who were all sickle cell warriors who underwent gene therapy or transplant speaking about how it affected them. And interestingly, there was this gentleman who, I, I can't tell, maybe he was in his mid-30s, uh, he said, you know, I went through gene therapy thinking I would never have kids of my own, and of course I went through sperm prior preservation, I preserved my sperm, but then I had children the normal way. I have two kids, right? So miracles happen. So I'm just saying, uh, despite that, consider uh, you know, fertility preservation. So... Uh, you know, as the medical community, we are trying to think about ways not to use chemotherapy, but we have some ways to go before we make it successful. But that's always a constant, en- you know, strive and endeavor uh, amongst us to be- make us make it better and foolproof. So that's where we are right now. Um, I do
2: have a couple of, well, at least one question, uh, maybe two. Uh, when you were talking about when they go and get the white blood cells, and you mm-hmm. go 1 month, 2 months, 3 months and you said if you don't have enough you go 4 months. So how long does how long do they live those cells? I mean because oh, if,
1: Yeah, the cells are frozen. <laughs> yeah, they oh, live. Okay, cuz uh, like, what, what they doing with the cells. <laughs> okay. They get frozen. So whenever okay. we we call it cryopreservation, right? So when you preserve yeah. it in ice nitrogen it kind of stays and when you thaw it it will be active so it's fine yeah it's so basically they will be taken for production and there's a way to keep them alive in the lab and stuff like that but most of the time they are they are viable they're not non-viable they don't die because
2: i didn't hear that last part say that again we,
1: we we do give things, like, you know, we put them in the media, we make sure that they're alive, and then we freeze them. And once you freeze them, they're frozen. And when they thaw, okay. they are still active. So, yes, very good question, practical question, but, yes, they don't <laughs> die off. Yes. Yeah,
2: I'm like, okay, how are they keeping them alive that long? That's the least. They freeze them. <laughs> they do freeze them, yeah Yeah. The biggest thing that I get out of both of these is the bone marrow transplant and the gene therapy is the chemo is the chemotherapy Mm -hmm. and is there any type of testing or anything that you guys do to see to make sure that the body is even ready to receive
1: the chemotherapy
2: for either procedure
1: we do uh, we do a lot of testing you know chemotherapy or Unfortunately, I I guess I can say it this way, they are poisons. They are never supposed to be in your body in the first place, right? And these poisons can affect different organs, Uh, but, you know, the way we do it, we know how to take care of all the side effects. So before a patient undergoes bone marrow transplant or gene therapy, they have like a full body, thorough checkup, and I mean full checkup from head to toe. Uh, We will check their brains do MRIs. We will check their heart function, their liver numbers, their lung function, kidney function, you name it. It's like a thorough top to bottom checkup. We need to make sure you don't have infections. We check for infections. We draw a battery of lab tests. So all these tests tell us how fit the person is, how much they can tolerate. Now, Suppose, you know, I do a liver test, a liver MRI, you know, I take an MRI of the liver and I find, oh, gosh, there's a lot of iron in the liver because this person has received a lot of red transfusions. Then I will know that this person will not tolerate chemotherapy and maybe they're not a good candidate. So, yes, um, we do a lot of testing. So you may find sometimes, you know, you do a lot of testing and you're not eligible for gene therapy or transplant because... The organs are damaged, and you know they may not survive the process itself. So there's a lot of uh, testing that goes behind the scenes. So it, it's 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 a long journey, but the journey is, I think, worth it for several of our patients because, like I said, when it works, it's beautiful. Yeah,
2: yeah when it works, it's beautiful. Um, so I'm also getting that it's much more safer to do the gene therapy if you're able to cuz either way you got to be able to tolerate the chemotherapy but mm-hmm. that it would um be safer maybe to do the gene therapy
1: Yeah, I think that's relative, right? Um you know, you can look at it in two different ways and this is a hard question to answer. For example, um Maybe, uh, ethically, if you had a sibling donor, uh, you still want to do a sibling transplant because outcomes are really getting better, right? Uh, Correct. And some families are not excited about the idea about gene therapy because you mess up with the genes. You don't know what's going to happen in the long term, so the unknown is very fearful, right? Uh, And transplants have been here longer. We know how to do it. We're getting better at it. Uh, you know, half mash transplants in older, like more than 18 years, works beautifully. So we're getting better. So some families may opt for that, and I would support that decision. As of now, gene therapy, how many patients have been treated? Only 100 or below 100. So, you know, it's always the denominator. So when you treat more and more of these patients, is this going to be sustained? What are the other side effects that's going to happen? Uh, you know, are the genes going to be okay? Uh, Is everybody going to be cancer-free? So these are things that we are learning uh, from the patients who have been on clinical trials, who have been so kind enough to share their data and, you know, educate all of us. So I think it's very relative. Uh, You know, if I had, I guess I'm a pediatrician, right? So if I have a 30-year-old, Who comes to me and say what is my better option maybe i'm not comfortable doing a transplant in a 30 year old i would say maybe gene therapy is better for you because it's less risky you're older for me 30 is old right and that's relatively Mm -hmm. pediatrician and maybe the organs are more you know they have been they have seen sickle cell disease too long so they're not as pristine so if i were to give you the chemotherapy of transplant perhaps it may not be the best option for you so I really think it depends on where the patient is in their sickle cell journey, how much organ damage they have sustained, you know, how much risk that they're willing to take in seeking a cure, and you know, to be honest, there are families who don't want to pursue it, and that's I, I think it's okay because in this day and age you have options of hydroxyurea, idevco, oxylator, so they are also emerging. So not just Cure, but also other medications are emerging now for treatment and care of sickle cell disease patients. And there are families where you know they're so good about taking the hydroxyurea and the child is doing fine. I don't offer transplant to such uh, families because the child's doing okay on hydroxyurea. So really, um, it's all uh, you know how you balance the risks and benefits and You know, our job is to provide full information, and sometimes I also provide directions to the family about which option they should take. The clear winner we will know in the coming years, to be honest.
2: Yeah. Now, the best as far as gene therapy uh, is to get um, the DNA or the gene from a baby, like you said, before it makes that transition to a young adult, Mm -hmm. and then it changes. Yes. So I think there's some time when you, at least on television, where you hear about, like you said, uh, parents uh, having another child in order to get their um, mm-hmm. of the, the DNA of the sibling. Yeah, before they turn mm-hmm. to help them with their condition. Mm-hmm. So that that stands true with it's better to get it from a younger child. Yeah, so is that, that for called, the bone marrow or for the yeah, gene therapy
1: it's only for bone marrow it's not for gene therapy. Okay. So what, what you're talking okay. about has got a fancy term called pre-implantation um, you know um, you know pre-implantation genetic testing basically you know families with the means may decide okay my child has sickle cell disease I want to pursue a cure for my child so I'm going to have another child who is going to be a match to my baby uh, with sickle cell disease so that if they're a sibling match, so they can talk to the OBYN, talk to the reproductive endocrinologist and basically choose the egg that does not carry sickle cell disease but is also a match to their child with sickle cell disease, basically the embryo. So it's possible to do it. It's, it's not an easy process, but there are instances when families have pursued this and have born a child who is not affected by sickle cell disease but is a match to their other child without with sickle cell disease and have done transplants. So okay, it's I not this, a, yeah.
2: So I have a couple of more questions before uh, we hit that hour and a half. You said that you had a link that you would like to share with, uh, that you listened to individuals that have had bone marrow transplant gene therapy you know, all talking about some of the things that they have experienced. Would you like to share that link?
1: I would, um, because the conference was held over this Saturday, and I do know that they uh, updated and they upload their new things uh, over time. So what I heard may not be just available, but it should be available in the coming weeks. But it's run by the NIH, and I'm just, you know, on my computer as I'm talking to you. If you go to YouTube, and type in Cooley's study, so I'm going to spell it out for the viewers: C for cat, O for omega, A for alpha, L for lambda, E for elephant, S for sickle cell, C for cell, and E for elephant. It's called the Cooley. So I would type in Cooley's sickle cell. Study or just put SCD, and it will pop up on YouTube. And in this YouTube channel, you can hear about sickle cell warriors, their experiences of having gone through curative treatments. I think the 2023 session was just held over the weekend, so it will be uploaded soon. But I think it's eye-opening even for us as medical teams to hear the other side, you know? uh, What are they talking about? How have their experiences been? And what was their decision-making process in considering one over the other? So, you know, like I said, some families will say, this new thing is not for me. I want something that's time and tested, right? So you get to hear uh, opinions, and I think it's very insightful, very, very insightful.
2: The other thing you brought up was clinical trials. If someone is interested in possibly participating or learning more about clinical trials with bone marrow, or uh, gene cell therapy. Uh, how can they, you know, where can they go to get more information regarding clinical trials and where they're hosting those clinical trials at?
1: So uh, that's a very important question. I think the first thing is I am hoping that most of our patients have are under the care of a sickle cell provider locally, either a hematologist. Uh, at a you know at their local center, most of the time the medical teams at the centers will be able to provide you with that information. Uh, you know what's okay. happening at their own center. Maybe they have some open studies, uh, or you know you could uh, basically um, you know ask if they have a transplant team, if the transplant is doing some trials. Uh, so that would be the most easiest way. The other way is just to Google it up, uh, and I would. I would basically recommend going to be the match .org and typing in sickle cell, and they will immediately pop up lots of these options and clinical trials which are open in different centers. So there are various ways to look this up, but the easiest way, you know, because sometimes doctor Google is not always the best answers available so you you want to talk to your teams and they should be able to provide you the right directions about which clinical trials and you know the NIH offers uh you know transplant free and they have lots of clinical trials so there are multiple options for our patients to consider especially if they're not near a center which has uh, you know a trial for uh, sickle cell disease but uh you know it is getting better we will be get more and more informations and more and more centers are recognizing this need so I'm hoping that most of our patients will have access to this in the coming years.
2: Does Nationwide Children have any clinical trials that you guys are running there that would uh, possibly help to learn mm-hmm. more about either one of you know, bone marrow mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. gene
1: therapy? Yeah, so we do. Um, you know, our program for sickle cell disease and thalassemia, which is a disease which is similar to sickle cell but in different ways. Uh, transplant has actually been here since 2005, and uh, we have done close to about 53 transplants for sickle cell and thalassemia and counting, so we have more coming up. So we have always had clinical trials at Nationwide. We've had actually six clinical trials just for our transplant in uh, Uh, sickle cell disease and thalassemia so our hope is that every patient whom we offer a curative option gets a chance to be on a clinical trial which has a question that has been methodically thought about by a group of individuals with the aim to advance the science not just for the benefit of the individual but also the benefit of the community and that's the way it should be because you know your data yes it's important but it's also precious for the community what went wrong what could we have done better and we can only mm-hmm. learn that if we do it collectively, collaboratively. You know, let our egos aside and you know work with colleagues across the country. So we do. Uh, we actually have a trial for half-match transplants at Nationwide Children's. We have a clinical trial for sibling transplants using less strong chemotherapy. Uh, right now, we have an open gene therapy trial, which is using that baby bag or baby truck method that I talked to you about. So we have mm-hmm. currently three open. Uh, in December, uh, you know, obviously, we are uh, we are also approved for a product, a gene therapy product uh, for thalassemia, which I said is like sickle cell disease, uh, but in December, we are going to be having other two products for uh, sickle cell disease pending the FDA approval of the products that we talked about. So we are always engaged, and, you know, at Nationwide, uh, I work with, closely with the sickle cell team. Our motto is we work with colleagues across the country. Uh, Just not do anything just because we can, but we want to do it collaboratively. And every patient we discuss. uh, We discuss with colleagues across the country and ask, is this what you would do? Is this the right approach? What can we do better? What went wrong for you? What can I do better, right? Uh, And that's the way science should be, working collaboratively. So that's how we do it.
2: Okay, and they can go to Nationwide Children's webpage and find the the clinical trials that you guys have listed there—if they type in clinical trials,
1: uh, I in think the search you will bar. Find, Yeah, uh, maybe you know you give a bring up a good point. I should probably update our website, and that's a good feedback. But you will find our names, and you will find our contact info, and we are easily reachable, and we are happy to talk with families and interested uh, you know families about these options. But you bring up a good okay. point, and we should probably update our website, and we will do that okay. because um, know, these files are always changing because some yes. files open and close, so we we should, we we do update. And this perhaps this I I probably never had a chance to look at it closely, but if there is, I will let you know later.
2: Okay, yeah. great. Um, and if so, now are do are you a pediatrician that uh, sees everybody or just a pediatrician that comes in as a specialist when the primary care or the general practitioner needs assistance with bone marrow transplant and gene therapy?
1: So uh, I'm a pediatric specialist who comes in only when there's a need for transplant or gene therapy. So you're exactly right. uh I, you know, I I probably so nationwide we are a large center. Uh we have physicians who devote a specific focus. So under Dr. Tony Villela, we have the sickle cell comprehensive care team, which takes care of sickle cell patients before transplant, right? Their hydroxyuria, their transfusions, their stroke risks, etc. I work with them because my focus is on the curative aspects. So they discuss with me which patients or who will benefit, and we have like a multidisciplinary meeting, and we say, okay, we think this patient is eligible. You know, Hema, can you go talk to the family? And I talk to the family. And usually sometimes these conversations happen over years. We don't make the decision immediately, but then eventually we may make the decision and take the patient. So I'm a pediatrician who comes in when there is a need or we identify families and individuals who may benefit from these options. Having said that at Nationwide, although we, uh, we do treat up to even 30 if needed, uh, but obviously we have our age limits because we are kid doctors, uh, so we have shied away from taking uh, beyond 30. But for gene therapy, we may set the bar higher because these are types of transplants that are easier to do eventually. So we're still discussing amongst ourselves as to what should be the higher bar Uh, But I can tell you comfortably up to 30 years, we are able to take in patients.
2: Well, we're getting ready to come upon that bewitching hour uh, before the recording stops. Is there anything else that you would like to say to the listeners uh, before we sign off?
1: I think, uh, you know, uh, the most important parting uh, statement I can give my listeners is, if you listen to this podcast, if you or your families are affected by, you know, this disease, the sickle cell disease, and you're considering these cures, just do your homework, you know. Uh, sometimes you have to be more active and seek out questions and answers. We are help. Uh, you know, you can ask for second opinions. We facilitate that. Uh, but because there's a lot of, you know, now the news and media is full of this, you can ask your medical teams what is available to you. Is that an option for you? How that would affect you? What does the future look like? Uh, you know, you do a lot of thinking and do a lot of homework. Do a lot of asking. Ask us because I rather have questions asked because I, I try to provide all the information, but maybe there's something I did not address that is very important to the families. You know, it, it's... Uh, you know a few weeks a few months ago we had dr wally smith come from virginia commonwealth and you know i asked him because we do excellent pediatric care that's true we protect our kids very well and you know for him i asked him so in a year how many patients don't make it he told me about 15 in adults they just mm-hmm. don't make it and right. which was because, and I come across sudden deaths, and I'm like, how could this be? Could I, you know, I, I had, con- I, did, I had done a consult on a, a a young teenager for a transplant. She had a donor, and but she didn't want it. And then a few years later, she, she just passed away. And I told Tony Villal, like, you know, maybe we could have prevented this, right? So mm-hmm. it's always a moral time, but even between you and me, Transplants not perfect. I have complications which make me wonder did I do the right thing, right? We're always Mm -hmm. trying to balance between pros and cons and I so wish that your daughter has had all the options And I I I get it. I mean, I I'm not I don't have sickle cell disease So I can't say I get it, but I feel the pain that the patients go through and um, yeah, yeah, It's hard. It's hard and not all of the people from you know, the african-american community have all the resources uh, I'm going to tell you the truth that sometimes I just order food when they come in because they come in starving, and you're like, okay, I'm going to put the diet order in because I know they're starving, right? Right, right, so right, right. It's uh, it's uh, it's different, and uh, I think
0: uh, it,
1: it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's 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 very, I I think it's very, I well, I'm missing the terms. It's it's also you know gratifying when they get cured. And they're done. Like I said, mm-hmm. if a three-year-old, I cure them, they don't even know what's it to have sickle cell disease. He's right, right. He's asking me, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Yeah, I guess I don't know." <laughs> Why <laughs> are you so excited? Right? You so know. excited? Why are you so excited that I I'm me? I'm like, I know, but you don't have sickle. He's like, "What is that?" I said, "Yeah, I know." Right, I know. right. I don't understand.
2: Yeah,
1: and that's so that was hard. Yeah, that's hard. I'm so sorry. You know, I, I know about your foundation. Probably I never dwelt into the depths of how and why. And I think I've been here for a decade, but we've been slowly building the program. We still have a lot to learn and do. And today we actually collected the mother cells from our second patient for gene therapy. Uh, okay. You know, a young, young boy. He's 21 years old. Very, very respectful young man. He was bored. Mm-hmm. He was doing a 1000 piece puzzle. I said, he's saying, hey, ma, I'm bored. I was like, yeah, be bored. That's a good thing. <laughs> you know? So, you yeah. know, being bored is a good thing in our field. So I said, yes, please Correct. be bored. Yeah. Please,
2: please, please be, be bored. That, means, that yeah. means you're still here.
1: You're still here. <laughs> but still breathing. yeah, right, keep doing what you do because not a lot of, you know, organizations, at least historically, we're working towards the sickle cell community, right? Uh, so, I think at nationwide, uh, we are putting a lot of efforts, and it's a teamwork. It's just not me. It's Dr. Valella, the whole team behind us, right? We're we're slowly stepping up, and you know, doing what we can, and trying to advocate for our families. So we're doing our best, but we still, you know, we're not perfect by any chance. We're not 100. Yeah. We never score 100. We know that so we have lots to improve, but always looking yeah. for improvement. But you know, I, I, I really like talking to the families and, you know, helping them navigate. Um, we never force anyone to take a direction because we know that they have to come to their own conclusion when they're ready. If they're ready, we take it. Yeah. If they're not ready, we're right. not going to force, you know. So yeah, that's how it is. But I am, I, you know, your daughter is living well, through I- everything that you're doing. So hats off to you. Well, no. I hope so, yeah. And, She's looking down uh, on you and smiling at Mama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe it.
2: I believe it because uh, only through this organization and doing what I'm doing did I start to heal mm-hmm. and talk more about sickle cell, that it's not some taboo thing that you talk about in the closet or, you know, no. just a normal conversation about it and not being scared and then sickle cell patients not being scared to share uh or step up and say, "I have sickest out," and share with other individuals you know what mm-hmm. they go through and how they're you know dealing with it, so you yeah. know it's it's a yeah. lot of things that's out there, but yeah, you've answered a lot of questions for me, very simplified. I appreciate what you do. I had a great time listening to you. You were fantastic. So I do thank you uh, once again for coming on today. So this is Felice, your host. Peace out.
0: The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 91.9 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN. If you'd like to learn more about the Faith Thomas Foundation and to listen to some of our previous shows, please visit our website at faiththomasfoundation.org. You can also visit us on Facebook at Faith Thomas Foundation and on Twitter at FaithThomasFDN.